This is the EPLOG audio experience. And we are back with part two of this particular podcast. Stay tuned, sit back, relax, grab some popcorn and we shall get going. You can listen to this podcast on eplog.media and if you want to write into us, you can do that by sending a mail to bonjour at eplog.media. All right, we are back after that uh, very little small short chhota break and we are still talking uh, things to do avoid and cover when it's raining on and and you're on your motorcycle and I think we should continue with with one very important thing and I think that is such a lifesaver. I think it's ABS. uh i feel very comfortable riding a motorcycle fast when it's raining when i know my motorcycle's got abs um i think all more modern motorcycles they have even even a big motorcycle i think you can ride a big motorcycle without any fear without any discomfort knowing that electronics will kick in when they when they want to when they need to intervene yeah. they will kick in and they will save your ass I, i would say go one step further yeah when they kick in yeah. realize the situation you were in and learn from it yep. so that you can delay the kicking in of the electronics later it'll improve right. your skill right. but to me yes electronics help the ducati aprilia both have full traction control abs all of that and that will definitely make it easier to ride yep. the ktm only has abs yeah so you have to be a little bit more careful, careful. with the ktm but to me every time you ride in the rain is a learning experience where you find out how traction talks to you yes. how the motorcycle speaks to you about what it's doing how right. you use that to the maximum advantage and i can tell you that you can go really really quick in the rain if you put mm. put in the effort for it and when you do it's a way more satisfying experience than doing it in the dry mm. some of the most intense rides i've ever had the most memorable ones have right. all been in the rain Oh, all of wow. them okay yeah it's the time to do all of this stuff right yeah and if everybody else decides the rain is too wet for them and they want to stay home great that's more road space for you to use yeah 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 i mean uh, back then i think when i had the charisma i used to have my small little moments here and there mm-hmm. and then i actually realized okay i am pushing it yeah um, that's where i need to back off yeah. because i've always been scared of the rains but i've come to enjoy it once i realized where to push what to push how to push yeah. i think that's that's a fine line that you have to draw and you have to talk to yourself and and say this is it you cannot push anymore yes this. precisely and you're fine tuning everything like i will hang off like my life depends on it in the rain but if it allows me to go around a corner as fast as i normally do great yeah does it make me look like an idiot from behind probably yeah. but this idiot is disappearing on you and yeah <laughs> and that's okay with me so yeah, yeah. Uh, the rains huge huge learning experience i mean you can learn how to deal with unexpected obstacles like potholes in the rains yeah yeah I exactly mean, yeah. i will memorize potholes okay yeah, if yeah. when i'm commuting if especially commute- so I'll, i'll say this out loud i've moved from mumbai to pune and the one big reason why i love the city so much pune is because the roads are really nice hmm. bombay well i tried i gave gave it a shot went waited for things to improve but i think it's still a very bad situation in mumbai when yeah, it comes yeah, yeah. to potholes i think mumbai road contractors make a lot more money than anybody else put together yeah. so yeah. <laughs> uh, but to me again it's a learning experience right yeah. i find that knowing where you are is essential to how well you're going to ride okay so uh, i'll give you an example if i ask you to come to the parliament office and mm. you've never come to my office before i guarantee you will not ride there well mm. because you're busy navigating so you can't yep. ride smoothly right but if i tell you to go to your office 
you'll write very smoothly because you go to your office every day or your college or school or whatever it is from the same perspective i like memorizing the roads i will normally use a lot right and my memorizing i want to know every detail hazard spot speed breaker where children usually cross where dogs are all of it the more information i have the better i can write it makes me faster but more importantly allows me to write better so in just before the rains i will actually start memorizing where the potholes are where mm. water collects to know how much water will collect yeah so you yeah obviously you can be caught out by a set of tiles completely disappearing from yeah. one of these paper tile stretches yeah. right and you learn from that but i would remember that oh there's water there and the water is only half an inch deep which mm. means when everybody else is trying to avoid it i can use it yeah yeah in the same way i've just come to pune this will be my first rain rides in the pune yeah. uh, city and i will memorize every road that i normally use right. to the last detail yeah. and i will be able to describe it back to you almost word for word so in the sense if it takes me 17 minutes from here to the office i will describe the road to you in yeah. almost 17 minutes <laughs> that's it's awesome complete yeah. information yeah but when you have complete information then you can do a lot, lot more, more with it yeah. yeah so i would say the rains are another is is another good time for you to what we call reference points at the race track yeah 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 which yeah, is correct. a geographical location where you're required to do a certain thing yep. it's a time for you to figure out commuting reference points right okay it it teaches you that there are potholes on this stretch which are really bad if there are really bad potholes there's no reasons to speed through it there yeah. are people who collect here because there's a i don't know a bus stop yeah no reason to speed through it yeah. another stretch where there's nobody on either side but it's usually nice and wet and slippery yeah. if there's nobody on either side and it's slippery you can learn to play with the edge of traction and see where it's at and what does it feel like right 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 so you're using everything that you get to improve your feel and skill on the motorcycle right potholes yeah. how do you deal with a pothole what is yeah. a pothole a pothole is a sudden change of elevation for the tire right. either it drops into the pothole or it rises right. up on a yep. on a bump right. which means the suspension has to work you're right you have to start learning to use it to your advantage do you want more suspension to absorb a bump or less suspension if you want less suspension you're going to be on the brakes it feels terrible so you have to learn that you can't brake in the pothole you have to brake before the pothole but at the pothole you need to be on the gas mm-hmm. if you're on the gas and your suspension's ex- banding yeah. the rim doesn't take so much of an impact the tires don't have so much of work to do right. and the suspension actually absorbs it quite well yep so it's all all everything is about think about motorcycling think about riding think yeah. about what you're doing think about what the input creates think think about how it felt and if it felt good let's do it again if it felt bad let's not do it again yeah so potholes same the strategy is the same the strategy is you finish braking before yeah so that you're back on the gas as the wheel hits these potholes right. and you're gently on the gas it's not full gas yeah. so that you're extending the suspension and allowing more travel to come to this situation and right. help taking you out. the load off the tires as well as the obviously first is to anticipate yep if you can anticipate you can usually go around it right also you have to remember other people don't anticipate yeah okay so an auto rickshaw guy who comes in a pothole we just go around it yeah. he will not worry about the fact that you are right in his mirrors <laughs> right yeah so sometimes when i have a bike with extraordinarily long travel suspension yeah. like the my ducati on enduro settings or an africa twin or something like that yeah. i will simply go straight for the pothole because i know i have the ability to handle the pothole yeah. and the auto guy will move out of my way yeah. as i arrive at the pothole because he will not want to go through it right so potholes Don't just worry about the pothole. Worry yeah. about the who's about to hit the pothole in front of you, yeah. because they will change direction ninety nine percent of the time. Yeah, I just remembered one thing very, and I remember it very vividly now. When you're riding behind a big vehicle, especially a car or a truck or a tempo, you don't really know what's ahead. Yeah. What I usually do is I back off. Yeah. To have more visibility, yeah. or I will travel with one side of the tire. Yeah. I will not stay in the middle. Yeah. Because what usually happens is the car will go and. and over a portal without uh, yeah straddle one yeah 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 and then you have very limited time to react and then it gets all haywire yeah so in the rains following a wheel there is only one problem yeah. you're going to get spattered 
Ah, yeah. Yeah. So I would say keeping distance from vehicles is a given. Okay. You should do it in the dry and you should do it in the wet. Wet, yep. The more distance you put, the more you will see of what's coming your way. Yep. Yeah. And that is your part of your anticipation process. If you're over his differential in terms of alignment, he's going to straddle a pothole. You'll have to hit it. And it's just a bad scene. So to me, in the rains, stay even further away from vehicles if you can. It does not mean riding defensively. It does not mean riding slowly. It means being aware of the space around you. Yeah. Right. If you think in the dry three feet is enough yeah. on all sides of your motorcycle, yeah. maybe in the rains you want five feet. Is it easy to create five feet of space in India? No, yeah. Yeah. but there are ways to do it. Yeah. And one of the controversial ways to do it, which I use very effectively is to look aggressive and ride defensive. Uh-huh. Okay. So ride defensive is he's a truck. I'm a motorcycle. He's going to kill me. Hmm. That's my mental attitude. Right. But my physical attitude is I'm a motorcycle. He's a truck. So what? So your elbows are slightly high, your Uh head is slightly down and you're looking like you've just had a real bad fight at home Uh and you're about to kill somebody as retaliation. Uh But when they see that body language, usually they don't want to come very close to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're still riding defensively. You have not changed anything about the way you ride the motorcycle, but you project this sense of anger. Mm -hmm. It's not actual anger, but Mm -hmm. it just keeps people a little bit further away from you. And that's the space you need to be safe. Yeah, superb. I think, I think people in today's age, the youth, they have so many mediums where they can listen to us. They can watch a lot of videos. I think back, back then it was all self-learning. You, I, I, nobody ever taught me how to use the throttle, how to use the brakes, how to be careful careful how to how to model it it was all a thing of self-learning as i rode more motorcycles got more kilometers on it mm. i just realized i'm becoming a better rider and it also comes with age yes the more you ride the more mature you are i think you want to be a safer rider mm. so evergreen guys ride very well evergreen ride uh, absolutely because <laughs> back, back when i was i think 16 uh, 18 and 18 19 my throttle hand was very rough my yeah. brake my braking was very intense but as things progressed mm. and you know you got to learn more and uh, i think it's just smoothened out yeah, a lot. And the rains are a great time to practice. Yeah. They're, they're, they're a fantastic opportunity to have a low traction condition, yeah. which you can utilize, uh, work on, think about. Yeah. And I think people, like you said, need to get this fear out of their mind about riding yeah. in the rain. I think I, I think people need to get the fear of riding out of their heads. Right? Yeah. People with big bikes who are not putting any miles on, what the hell do you have them for? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because I think I, I, I honestly have this fear because I had a couple of friends who kind of passed away on, on a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. And after that, I, I think I've never been that same rider that I was before. Sure. It's also allowed me to be a little safe. Mm-hmm. I have a little bit of fear, I'll admit it, when I ride a motorcycle. But that fear tells me where to keep the throttle, where to brake. It makes me aware of certain things. And it always there is it is there at the back of my mind telling me, okay, you're pushing, take it slow. Okay, this, this, whatever. Yeah, so the, the fear is part of the process of motorcycling, I think. Yeah. And it's a central part of it because if you think about it, uh, you remember the BMW Vision Dynamics or whatever it was called, yeah, that yeah, yeah, autonomous correct. motorcycle yes, that yes. you couldn't crash. Yeah. Why would you ride it? Yeah. Yeah. Because if I had the experience where I, it was uncrashable, you couldn't hurt yourself and all of this thing, that the only thing left is to be able to lean into a corner. I'm sure they can design a car that does that because with that comes music systems, air conditioning, Facebook and a thousand other distractions. Right. So if you're not afraid on a motorcycle, you will not really enjoy it. I mean, the whole point of it is that there is this fear that sits at the edge of this experience and you get close to it and you get far away from it, but it's always there reminding you that there is a limit to what you can do today, right? right? You play with that because it comes closer to you at a much lower speed in the reins. And that's Mm. the whole thing. To get the same sense of, oh, it's slippery and I open the gas and here's the motorcycle sliding. In the dry, you'd have to get to 160 
kmph to do it right okay and in the wet this happens at 30 kmph mm-hmm. when you crash at 30 kmph not much is going to happen to you or the motorcycle right <laughs> yeah. that's what i'm saying yeah. the rains bring fear closer to you but they allow you to operate at the same edge right at a very low speed go out and play don't do it on public roads with traffic around you and three buses will run you over the moment you crash right. that's the time to be careful yeah. but coming out of your colony or whatever there'll be three four deserted roads which you normally don't take on your summer commute yeah in the rains go down those roads because they're deserted and have a little bit of fun with playing with traction mm. when the front wheel slides you're in serious trouble when the rear wheel slides you're not yet in serious trouble play with the rear wheel and see what happens lock yeah. it up and see how you control the slide and bring it to a controlled stop yeah get the sense of what happens when the traction's gone because still i think uh a majority of our population still uses non abs motorcycles mm-hmm. so i think this is a very good exercise for them to practice yeah and you'll realize something simple that if your head stays up yeah. and you keep looking into the distance down the road yeah. the motorcycle will do everything and come to a stop in the middle of it yeah but as soon as your head looks down yeah and you lose the sense of where you are at then the direction on the motorcycle changes completely so the tip when you're locked up rear look up and look ahead and look straight and you'll be fine i mean yeah. there's n- literally nothing else to do do you remember where you were during the mumbai floods yeah i was uh, i was in the office and it took us forever to get home i think we were at were uh, you riding no yeah i was uh, there was a friend who was coming from town that day yeah. he used to stay and he said he'd pick us up yeah and so we were in his esteem for those two or three days then we went to the colleague pablo's house uh-huh. and we stayed at pablo's house overnight i think two days before we finally got home so no i was oh, not wow. on wow you were out for that long yeah 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 so our office was in worli we came up to mahim yeah. to drop pablo then we carried on ahead and realized there was no way to go ahead came back to mahim stayed the night and the car survived car was okay because the mahim is high so ah, it doesn't really flood yep. and we left uh, uh, low low parel is low but we left that before the water got really bad okay uh, so we tried to get out of there mahim the next day Uh, we got up to Bandra, and the guy said, "No, there's still too much water. You can't go." We were in Juhu, mm-hmm. living in Juhu at that mm-hmm. time. Went right back to Pablo's house, stayed one more night. Then the next day, we got a thing saying the East Western Express had opened. Yeah, it was a slalom course of cars. Oh. <laughs> so this esteem slalom through all these abandoned cars all the way. Oh, around. it was that bad, huh? Yeah, basically people see Bombay floods quite a bit, so yeah. people are used to the idea that you'll have to walk. Yeah. So at that day, it came to a point where <laughs> you, I don't know, you've been stuck in traffic for seven hours, eight hours, not even moved an inch, and you can see endless traffic going. After a while, you just like, you know what? Screw it. Turn off the car. Get out. Wade into the water. Lock the car, and you walk home. You're home. I mean, Bombay is very dense, but yeah. it's not large. Yeah. So you'll walk. You can walk it off. Eight, yeah. nine kilometers, and you'll probably be home. It will yeah. take you five hours to walk, but it's better than sitting in your car for five hours with yeah, the water rising around you. Yeah. People walk from uh, Daisa to Siddhivinayak, which is yeah. twenty, twenty kilometers. Yeah. Yeah. And this walking home in the rain thing is a constant, constant thing for Bombay. Okay. Yeah. We've heard. You've heard the stories forever. I've heard the stories forever. People walking down the railway tracks, walking down the roads. Yep. Yep. I know a lot of people also expired that year, unfortunately, yes. walking down yep. because there were dead bodies floating down. They got carried away with them. There were electrocutions and all of this yep. stuff. Yep. There was a risk involved, <coughs> but this. Salam course happened because people basically switched off their cars, left them where they were. There was no option and walked home. Wow! And the spaces were created by people who returned to their cars and took them home and created the space through which we went yeah. later. So, and surprisingly, a lot of these vehicle owners they started selling their vehicles at a dirt cheap price after the rains got over because yeah. they felt that their car or your or their motorcycle was gone. It's possible, right? If yeah. if the if uh, the back pressure wasn't high enough and it sucked a little bit of water, water. into a com- yeah. compression ch- uh, combustion, the combustion chamber uh, needs gases because you can compress gases. You can't compress liquids. Liquids. Yes. So if I f- take a bike and I fill the compression chamber, combustion chamber with water, 
and it's, I try to run the engine it will yeah. just break the uh, engine into pieces right. because it can't compress right so there is a very genuine possibility that the electronics will have some issues yeah. the actual hardware will have issues do you remember any such uh, classified ad which said that it's it's uh, happened every year since the those floods the chennai floods after yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. chennai floods were was something <clears throat> that uh, yeah so after every one of the i mean i don't know by the other instructor at our school apart from anand is a guy called dodo okay dodo's wife's car was roof underwater wow which like, car was it abrio wow. and it was so underwater that you could see this red shape from the photographs he sent from his balcony uh-huh. so that red shape was the roof of his balcony wow. the rest of it was underwater it was destroyed at the end of it yeah. i think they wrote it off in insurance and yeah. she had to get a new car yeah wow because i remember uh, Audis and yeah. Mercs and yeah, so there were like lots of stockyards. Yeah, so there were lots of stockyards which were flooded, and these were standing new cars yeah. waiting to be sold and delivered, which got flooded. Like Carreras and uh, all these super fancy supercars, they were selling for like fifteen twenty lakh rupees. Yeah, but if I had fifteen twenty lakh rupees, but do you I'd think it's advisable? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but do you think it is advisable to buy such? Uh, uh, get a great, great mechanic who can really evaluate Fixed, how much yeah. damage there is, and then tell you what you're getting into. Okay. Because you don't want a ten lakh rupee imported thing that. Requires fifty lakh rupees to fix when yeah. a new car is forty lakh rupees. I mean, it's just right. a bad deal. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yes, a flood damaged car is perhaps a good purchase in terms yeah. of money, but you need a really, really good mechanic who can identify the actual extent of the damage before you commit. Yeah. Also, for people uh, who still want to go ahead and wrap their bikes and and keep them in a garage for the rest of the monsoon, uh, is there a certain list of things that they should cater to? It's it's not a very complicated list anymore. Uh, need to get the weight of the tires so you don't compress the tires. Yeah. So either you raise the bike, kind of, yeah. yeah, either you raise the bike on a jack or you ensure that you're rolling the bike. every week so that the there's no pressure spot on, right. on the tire uh, i would say over inflate the tires to 2 or 3 psi mm-hmm. and then reinflate the tires every so many weeks so that it doesn't sort of sit down on a compressed yep. tire uh, disconnect the battery completely uh, i would say if you're parking for 3 months no point really having a trickle charger although they work yeah uh, trickle charger the only risk is you'll forget about it till the end of the rain if there's a lightning or whatever on that day Kaboom. you might want to yeah. unplug the motorcycle entirely from electricity yeah. so maybe you want to unplug the battery completely uh see service it and clean it and then you have to remember all the reservoir should be full hmm. so the brake reservoir top it up to the fullest uh the fuel tank top it up to the full uh engine oil top it up to full or maybe li- even a little bit over the idea is that there's no space for moisture to build and cause corrosion from the inside because, the, because there's this myth that goes which says you have to completely empty your fuel tank you can completely empty it but chances are whatever little moisture is in the air yeah. in bombay for example there's yeah. a lot of moisture in there will cause cor- corrosion yeah. safer way is to fill it full of petrol right. but you have to remember all fluids that stand like that unused all degrade right so just because you filled fresh engine oil in may hmm. doesn't mean you can start riding yep. the bike in september you'd want an oil change at that point yes. of time uh, i would say brake fluid you should change it anyway once a year but it's a good time to change post the rains because there's heavy moisture in the air uh, brake fluid is generally hygroscopic it loves water it takes ah, on water and it okay. reduces efficiency great time to change brake fluid it will complete your annual brake fluid change uh, which means i made a mistake i just changed fluid on my aprilia i'm an idiot ah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, similarly the petrol tank uh, when you put uh, petroleum products on stationery for a long time a lot of the additives sort of yeah. uh, the the fall out of solution as it were and again you want to abandon that petrol or use it to clean the bike or whatever but not to uh, run the bike right right so fill it with fluid so nothing can corrode empty those fluids out before you start riding again so yeah and if you're going to be parked in a stilt parking which a lot of us do 
yeah figure out where the rain comes from and what direction it is so that you're not thinking that your bike is in a safe spot and is constantly getting spattered by water right yeah there's spray in the air apart from what is falling from the sky yeah. and it's traveling horizontally yeah. so you want it to be in an alcove where water can't really reach it yeah. and if you're going to use a nice waterproof cover maybe you want a couple of stones to weigh it down so that the wind can't blow it up, blow it up. like last night this is a pr- pretty windy place yeah. and i walked in last night and it looked like people had lifted the covers of my bikes to look at what was under yeah and that had happened the day before but oh. yesterday it was just the wind Oh okay so i looked at the bikes went to the shopping complex came back and the covers were like above the bike despite the strap being there so okay. i now know that if i'm parking the bikes for a long duration you i don't so it's not a problem yeah. but i do need to find a couple of stones and just weigh the cover down so that it just doesn't blow up out of the way because then there's no protection right 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 is there any um particular incident where you've seen a washed out bike up for sale not really no no No, because no. I think the Mumbai floods kind of did that. The Chennai floods as well. But you have seen one for yourself. Have you been to no, one of these no. auction areas or something? No, man. No. Yeah. No. Because I, I, I'm not a deal hunter in that yeah. sense. Yeah. yeah. So my approach to uh, anything actually is save money, buy expensive, buy good, and you ensure that what you buy lasts a long time rather than you buy something cheap and then worry about replacing it every two yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's true for the music systems I own. It's true for the motorcycles I own. It's true for the kind of stuff that is in my house, my helmets, everything. Yeah. I would never buy cheap because that's all I can afford. Yeah. I would rather wait two more months. Yeah. Collect a lot more money. I think I've started doing that now. And then buy expensive. So yeah. the idea of a flooded bike coming. to me is not attractive to me because mm. i want to ride it i don't want to fix it yep okay i'm slowly learning how to fix it but yeah. it still doesn't is not my primary drive yeah, yeah yeah i would primarily have a bike that runs so i'll tell you for example the tuono has just come froor has just joined the family and froor is proving to be a reliable motorcycle but i promise you as much as i love tuonos as much as i love this motorcycle my dream bike and all that uh. if the damn thing starts breaking down every two weeks I promise you it will get 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 sold. Really? The reason why the Ducati is here is because it refuses to break down. Okay. It just runs. My KTM is the same. My KTM is 20000 kilometers old 2015. It's been used sporadically over the last 2 years. It starts up on the first touch of the button and it runs smoothly and like nothing has happened to it every single time. Mm-hmm. Is the reason why I'm in love with it. If it was not this kind of reliable, I would not keep it. Right. Yeah, so going to a flood auction, me it's just never going to happen. Never going to happen. No, no chance. Wow. What do you think of hazard lights? People put them <laughs> a lot when it's raining. <laughs> hazard lights are for when there is an active hazard and a wet road is not a hazard. Right. Okay, hazards are genuine. They happen. Yeah. Okay, it might be very very low visibility in very heavy rain. Use your hazards. It's yeah. fine. very heavy fog use your hazards it's great uh, but there's darkness darkness is not a hazard something happens every night <laughs> tunnels are not a hazard they're a way to get through mountains because, because people you, you have i mean some of these smaller smaller uh, bikes they have aftermarket hazard lights and they'll put them on then especially a lot of ktms i think i think couple of years ago there was a trend where trend where they had these flashing hazard lights that used to go on on and on I, i think a lot of motorcycle clubs use them as a ridiculous way to identify themselves as separated from traffic i mean what are you guys blind yeah We've yeah. been riding at overdrive and before that with motoring and now with power drift with colleagues for years and we've never done anything with the lights to identify <laughs> people from each other, right? Yeah, it's not hard to identify your own friends. Right, uh, and uh, if you guys need hazard lights in broad daylight to identify your own riding buddies, maybe you need to get them get to know them a little bit more. What is this nonsense? <laughs> Hazards are for a situation <laughs> where you say I am in trouble and I would like you to realize I am in trouble and therefore. avoid me yeah. or help me one of the two things if you have the hazards on constantly how the hell is somebody supposed to figure out whether you're in trouble or not right right it's it's just stupid yeah. mean, honestly there's But no that's excuse. lights at the back what about the front do you think an extra set of lamps help during yes. visibility uh, so you have had them for quite a while i i've 
yeah, there are a lot of jokes about how many lights I have <laughs> and how many lumens I'm running. But uh, I find that uh, given the fact that a lot of people don't dip their headlights at you uh, and the fact that our roads are unpredictable, especially in the rains. I think that one thing really needs to change. We start, we need to start using dipper. Yeah. Uh, a and lot of people, especially in Pune, everywhere. there is no dipper. No, no, everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. It's not just a Pune yeah, thing. I, I still feel Mumbai is better that way. Little bit. Yeah. Well, I think Mumbai, for all the problems that it has, has some really excellent traffic manners even yes, today. Yes. But uh, I would say that when I started riding the Ducati, I think they have the, the Multistrada has the best headlights as stock on any motorcycle. So once I wrote that, people are like, what the hell are you messing around with the lights for, right? Yeah. But I'm going to the racetrack from Bombay. I leave at 4 a.m. And I want to cover quite a bit of distance in the dark. So I want to get to Kolhapur by breakfast. Before Kolhapur actually wakes up for breakfast is the run that you want him to achieve. For that, you need a lot of light. But once I started getting the lights, what I realized happens is that I am conscientious enough to dip my lights for everybody. And uh, the Baha designs I use have a 20% dipper. So basically it goes from 19,000 lumens down to 4,000. 4,000 not blinding unless it's pointed right at you. Yeah. And my lights aren't pointed. My left light is pointed slightly leftish. So it lights up the verge a lot. Ah. And the other light is mounted exactly parallel to the ground, but low on the motorcycle. So it doesn't actually rise into oh, your so eyes. So it's not completely aligned. It, there's two they, different. They're different. Yeah, ah, they, okay. they have different purposes. Okay. The left light has a flood function. So ah. it creates a big spot of light in front of the bike. Right. That's the one that can dazzle because it's a spherical okay. projection right yeah but two of its leds are pointed just off left horizontal oh. so it lights up the verge quite a distance so you can see for example dogs cows people on the yeah. left side of the road very very far away wow. the other light is a pure distance light four leds pointed right into the distance carefully aligned to be horizontal and not to the right straight in front of the bike so unless the motorcycle is changing lanes into the top lane the light doesn't actually point at oncoming traffic right and when you dip that to 4000 lumens nobody gets blinded so i haven't i haven't been flashed when i'm on dipped headlights at all when i'm on full brightness 19000 lumens is a lot of light people will complain okay? okay so i use them very very carefully but it does show me potholes and the reason why that is because uh, i have expensive rims I do mm. cover long distances. Yeah. Both of these are avoidable situations. Right. So if I'm careful enough to not blind you, but I'm using these lights, I think I am okay. Of course, yeah. it's completely illegal. Yeah. Uh, oh Indian, yeah, exactly. Coming to that. The Indian law says that you cannot use these lights. Yeah. But honestly, in this environment, yeah. I ride the tono today without auxiliary lights and I know that it's ridiculously bad in the uh, yeah. in the uh, dark. Yeah. Whereas the KTM has 10,000 lumens on it. The Ducati yeah. has 19,000 lumens on it. Yeah. I can go much, much faster, faster without really upsetting people. I think safer as well. And it is much safer. I mean, in theory, Tono will also get its set of lights. Yeah. It has to. I mean, but exactly what I was trying to figure out, where are you planning to mount these lights? No, I'm thinking of a really small set of lights, which ah. will go on the front fender. Ah, okay. Uh, just to light up the area in front of the bike. Basically, I don't want to break a rim more yeah. than anything else. Yeah. Because I think even if I were to go long distance on the Tuono to the racetrack. Plus now, I mean, tuono has got forged? No. No, this one has cast, but ah, okay. I will probably figure out a set of forged ah. for these, this particular application. Yeah. Because uh, from Pune, it's only 800 kilometers to Bangalore. Ah. So I don't actually need to leave at 4 a.m. anymore. Ah, you can I can do the later. same thing by if I leave at 5.30, I'll still be Kolhapurish around yeah, breakfast. breakfast. And once you cross Kolhapur, there's no real traffic. Right, so right. you'll be okay. Yeah. Uh, the Tono is also going to get used less than the Ducati. So we'll probably travel on a truck from Bangalore to either of the two racetracks. Right. So the light requirement for the Tono is just to get through Pune's traffic in the dark when I'm commuting home. Uh -huh. For that, I don't need a lot of light. Uh -huh. So I need a really compact light because you can't add weight to the tone. It's yeah. ridiculous. Yep. It's a silly yep. idea. Yep. <laughs> it will go touring. Yeah. So it's good to have some amount of backup lighting. Yeah. And what I was talking to Zubin, the guy who actually does a lot of work on my bike is, we might be able to set put up a set of wiring and mounts so mm -hmm. that I can take the KTM's 10,000 lumen lamps 
and put move them, them to the tour oh. temporarily when i go on tour okay. and then move them back to the ktm when i'm done so you're still trying to figure out the jukard i have to figure this out uh, i am going to the united states uh, in a short while and that's a good time to figure all of this stuff out yeah. the indian guy motosha has actually very competitive pricing yeah. but sometimes the options are greater in the united states i think the downside is still is, is still the price they're pretty expensive so again I buy expensive. Yeah. I buy once, and yeah. I'm done. Yeah. Right. So for the uh, Ducati, I did a lot of research. So I've had uh, Dualis on it from Rigid Industries. I've had Denali's on it from uh, Big Bad Bikes. I have now come to Baha Designs from yeah. Moto Asha. Uh, I've checked out Cyclops. I've seen the Vision One, which is what uh, Santosh has on his uh, rally bike. Oh wow! I've I've done my research, yeah. and uh, th- there's another guy called uh, Chetanya whose opinion I respect hugely because he works with his own hands on his big bikes. Okay. He's also done the same kind of research on lights. So we talked. He's a Hyderabad-based guy. Right. We've talked, and we—I've come to the conclusion that for me, Bahar Designs makes complete sense because I trust their equipment to not fail. Okay, it's expensive, yes, but you're done. You buy it and you're done. So the XL80s on my Ducati, I cannot imagine ever having to replace them with anything else. They are Bahar Designs. They are Bahar Designs. Okay. They are super large. They are super powerful. Yeah. They are extremely heavy. Yeah. Ducati luckily is a large motorcycle, so they fit. They don't look awkward. On the KTM, they'd be larger than the bloody headlight. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Just be like this guy is blind. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So you find out. I I would say for motorcycling because I think of motorcycling with a true risk of death. Yeah, which is to me the same as combat, right? Would you send a soldier into combat with a I don't know, a Chinese gun? Yeah. right because it works and it's cheap but if it jams is dead yeah in the same way motorcycle equipment you purchase well you purchase infrequently but yeah. when you purchase you make sure you trust it yeah it i think not just equipment but gear as well all all equipment that's what you goes on the bike goes on your body goes to save you goes in your first aid kit i don't care yeah whatever goes on your motorcycle agenda should be top of the line by right. your standard of top yep. of the line i'm not saying everybody needs a 90000 rupee helmet get the best you can afford get a brand you trust you trust mt great yeah get the best it. mt there is yeah. i don't yeah. i will get an arai or a shoei yeah. and i will get the best arai or the shoei i can it's true for all the equipment i use on a motorcycle yeah in the same way the lights yeah so are bahar designs lights expensive yes i do i think they are the best on earth yes and would i therefore invest in them yes how do i afford this i will sit and say for 11 months man hmm I mean, you've seen my setup, right? Ninety percent of this setup is motorcycling. This is my house we're talking about. Ninety percent of the stuff here is motorcycling. Okay, the cushions, the covers, everything has come from my Bombay house. I have not spent any money on this. Right. But on that shelf is a brand new set of sprockets and chains for yeah. the Ducati. Next to that is a radiator guard for my Tuono. Uh, there's a uh, sprocket for the Tuono coming. All of that is on that shelf over there. Yeah, I can see it now. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That cupboard there, there's a drawer for linen and clothes, but yeah. there's also a drawer full of motorcycle stuff. <laughs> it's all carefully planned right, for yeah. saved sat every day on hours on ebay with my wish list saying who is going to give me a great price right yeah so i have a lot of stuff on my ducati i promise you i have not paid full money for anything everything really? was bought of ebay used oh wow yeah i think yeah you you always look for great deals that way yeah so i want the alu rack from sw motec because i think is the best rack for the rear of the ducati I'm not willing to spend twenty four thousand rupees on it, but I don't have to have it right now. Yeah. So I will sit for six months on eBay, yeah. going through it every day, every day, every day until this guy shows up. Yeah. He's from the UK. He sold his Ducati, forgot about the rack, and one day he found it in a drawer and said, "Who wants one?" I said, "I want one." Yeah. How much do you want for it? Five thousand rupees. Done. I have a five thousand oh, rupee wow. alley rack. Really? It's got five scratches on it. Two pieces of paint are missing, and I'm oh I'm okay with that, man. But when you want it. you have to figure out a method to get yeah i think that's a very positive message um to end this podcast with because i think we have covered pretty much everything yeah, one yeah i, I would talk. like to say at the end remember two things about the rains one getting wet is not a crisis 
it's just wet skin yeah. a towel will help solve it yeah. okay a b don't be afraid to ride in the rain this is the best time of the year to learn to ride so don't think of a commute as a wet soppy thing think yeah. of it as an opportunity to spend half an hour with the motorcycle learning to ride it in a difficult situation yeah. learn come to enjoy it and you love the rains i look forward to the rains every year do i enjoy getting wet and filthy no but does it affect me in any significant way not really not really yeah. so i'm like i am going to get smoother and smoother and smoother and smoother smoother at the end of the rains in september i will be a far smoother rider than i am right now right okay well, you've seen me at the race track and yep. a lot of people tell me i'm a very smooth rider today yeah. one of it is the fact that i was taught told by my father repeatedly when i was driving cars that i was extremely rough with yeah. my inputs yeah. i don't know if i was or wasn't huh. but it stayed in my head that i am not a smooth rider so i paid extra attention to it but it's 19 seasons of riding professionally in the wet thinking can i do this smoother can i do this smoother yeah. every single year right right it's an attitude yeah Yep, yeah yep. so don't worry about the rains in terms of the physical problem yep. worry about it in terms of your attitude in your brain if they come to the right place you'll ride well yep 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 that was shumi my name is varun painter thank you for joining us for this podcast we'll be back next week with another fresh episode what do you want to listen to who do you want your next let us know in the comments uh, one final message we are there on apple podcast google podcast savan i said it right this time uh, castbox and spotify india uh and uh, yeah you can send in a fan mail if you want to at bonjour at epilog.media and a big shout out to rohan thakkar who uh, has been helping us in setting up this podcast and getting out all these awesome things that we talk about to you guys the pd army so thank you so much rohan epilog.media you can listen to us on that channel as well thank you i am out bye bye